Hello, listener. Welcome to the Switch It podcast. There's not been much festive cheer down under after England gift-wrapped a 2-0 lead for the home side, and only the Barmy Armyists are likely to believe in the possibility of miracles from here. All Joe Root wants for Christmas is 100 in Australia, some support with a bat from his teammates, three wins from the next three tests, and to become the only Ashes captain other than Bradman to oversee such a comeback. Watching England in Australia in recent times has needed to come with an elf warning, something my two little helpers today know only too well. As usual, Andrew Miller and Andrew McGlashan will be here with bells on, and we'll also hear from Ian Bell and Ryan Harris on how the series is shaping up. Seasons, greetings, chaps. Uh, in this case, terrible, possibly even by your standards, that's appalling. But well, well played. <laughs> Tremendous segue. I've got, I've got another one here. In this case, possibly open season on England's Test team. Um, Miller, <laughs> Miller, we'll come to you first. You've seen a few Ashes tours in your time. Where is this one currently sitting on the Pomney Shambles spectrum? This is sailing straight to the bottom of the ocean. This is the most ab- abject tour I've ever witnessed. I mean, it's it's just hopeless. I mean, I I can understand England losing in Australia. That happens a lot. It doesn't it doesn't doesn't affect me in 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 any real sense because you know every time England go to Australia, with the with one exception in my cricket watching lifetime, they've come back beaten and broken. But this time, there's just there's there's just no hope, no hope at all. There's no sense that there's any way they can turn this around. Um. The only chance they've got is if Jimmy Anderson or Mark Wood bowls out of their skins, reduces it to a 250 plays 300 sort of game, and Joe Root scrapes his 100 at last, finds enough support to, to, to somehow miracle their way to a you know five, four, five, six wicket win, maybe. Or one wicket win will do, frankly, Allah heading me. There's no way they're going to be able to bulldoze Australia the way that they've been bulldozed by Australia. And so they they need everything to go right and they need an awful lot to go wrong. And frankly, so much went wrong for Australia in the last test, losing their captain, losing Josh Hazelwood, picking two rookies plus Cameron Green as the third seamer with five tests and still winning comfortably. Um, it's it's pretty, pretty bleak, frankly. Um, you know, there's an awful lot of things that's, that have happened in recent past that mitigate this, but it doesn't change the fact that right at the moment um, it's it's... Pretty woeful. Bleak midwinter tidings indeed. Um, Nasha, <laughs> it's it's sunnier where you are um, and, and good to see you made it out of South Australia safely <laughs> from, from the from the Cummins COVID chaos of the first morning uh, to further positive tests among the broadcast media. Uh, it looked a little bit dicey from the outside. Presumably you weren't keen on spending your Christmas in isolation. Yeah, that was the main point for those of us that did leave um, that night early. It wasn't so much uh, a fear of the virus itself. It was more this, yeah, the seven-day isolation, which uh, with a lot of Christmas plans having been put in place for the first time in two years, uh, yeah, a few of us weren't fancying the prospect of of, of that week in Adelaide. So, um, so yeah, that, 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 that was the deciding factor there, but it was certainly a theme of the week and to wake up on that first morning to messages of, of the Pat Cummins situation was a an interesting way to start a test match. Um, and, and as you said there in the lead and, and, and that Miller touched on, it kind of adds to the kudos to Australia actually for the way they formulated that five days. I mean, it was pretty much the perfect test match performance. I mean, if, if Smith had wanted to enforce that follow-on 
Um, he obviously took the same decision as he took four years ago and asked England to bat again. It, it's very, it's, it's probable that test would have been over on the fourth day because I'm not sure England would have survived that night uh, without significant damage. And I'm not sure they'd have batted it into the fifth day, but they went for the formula they wanted. They wanted Nathan Lyon to be able to bowl last and to give their quicks a rest. And you really can't quibble with any part of that test match from Australia, apart from the form of Marcus Harris, which is something we, we, we might touch on later, but it's such a minor point in the bigger scheme of this Australian team right now, which has found its mojo. It's got two great batters in form. It's got a, a hugely deep pace bowling attack, which we've talked about before, but now we've seen. Jai Richardson, five wickets in his third test. Michael Nisa, a wicket, second ball in his test career, and very steady either side of that. Uh, you've had a keeper batter come in after the Tim Payne drama and looks just right at home in test cricket, albeit... He missed that catch, which gave us three or four hours extra work the other day. But bar from, bar from that, very tidy from, from Alex Carey. Um, and Cameron Green, his batting hasn't quite fired, but gee, his bowling is just adding a whole new dimension to that Australian attack now. I mean, he was, I think, one of the commentators, and maybe Michael Vaughan, actually, who's now arrived, arrived out here in Australia, um, was actually comparing him to the Flintoff type figure. And you can see that because of his size, his bulk, the way he hits the pitch and sort of how he's developing as that bowler. I mean, it's quite feasible now. He could be a third seamer going forward in Test cricket. So from where, from the sort of the questions Australia had asked of them at the beginning of the series, these two tests have, have answered the 90% of them. And it's very hard, as Miller said in his answer, very hard to see how the series takes a different course now, um, unless there's something along the, along the lines of the sort of the 1998-99 turnaround that England managed at the MCG when um, they'd been... They were 2-0 down at that point after three tests. Um, the Ashes were gone. They were humiliated by Australia A coming into Boxing Day. No one gave them a chance. They rejigged the batting order. Um, and then they went on and won famously by a handful of runs. So only that sort of turnaround can, can England cling to. But yeah, Australia are looking uh, very strong home advantage, as they often do, except when they play India. Um, and yeah, they're looking formidable and hard to see them not getting another 5-0 as we stand. Uh, well, we are clinging on for a, a Dean Headley performance, uh, that's for sure, uh, this end. Uh, I hope, uh, like Pat Cummins, um, Quick Info chartered a private jet for you. Um, of Nasha. course, absolutely, yes. It was, a, it was a very comfortable journey, yes. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to the uh, concur expenses system for that one. Yeah. <laughs> and Sambit then rejecting it. Um, yeah. Let's... Uh, Let's quickly recap on events then in Adelaide. Uh, Stand-in captain Steve Smith won the toss and Australia controlled the game from there on in, uh, opting against enforcing the follow-on and then setting England an improbable 468 to win or more than five sessions, uh, sorry, more than four sessions. Uh, it, it was a lot either way of batting to save the game. Joss Butler's against type rearguard of uh, 26 from 207 balls gave them a, a sniff, but ultimately the home side wrapped up crushing 275 win just as the floodlights were beginning to take effect. Um, Miller, just on, on that, the final day, um, being drawn out there uh, rather unexpectedly, did, did you ever give them a chance of, of getting away with it? No, I genuinely <laughs> didn't. No, absolutely not. Uh, I, I just knew that, that there would be a mistake at some stage. I didn't expect Joss Butler to tread on his stumps to be the mistake, but uh, <laughs> I just I just didn't... I, 
didn't have any faith in 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 the the tools at England's disposal, which is which is pretty bleak. I mean, interesting you, you say is an against type innings from Joss Butler. I would argue it's it's precisely what Joss Butler does in Test cricket. I mean, you know, in the first innings we we had that stat that uh, his fifteen ball duck was the fourth time he's made a duck of fifteen or more balls. Is the only player to have done that since nineteen ninety one which I think is an incredible stat because essentially that 1991, well, 1992 really is like kind of a year zero for the white ball, um, red ball sort of split. You know, obviously the, the first first World Cup under, under floodlights and, and red and white ball cricket, it was 1992. So we're talking about that is, that's basically, he's the first guy of the new era whereby, you know, people get judged by white ball form as well as red ball form to have gone and died in a hole quite so dramatically that he's that he's got um, got a fifteen ball duck four times. Um, I, I wrote I wrote on the first day. It's, you know, it's almost as though Test cricket is it, the, the the expanse of possibilities is almost too daunting for him. He doesn't know what to do when he gets out there, and therefore he can't he can't uh, trust his natural game because the opportunities and the and the possibilities of going wrong almost overwhelm him. Uh, and so one, come that final day, and I'm not the only person to make this point, a uh, bit like the run chase against Pakistan a few years ago, he's suddenly in a position whereby, yep, I know what I'm doing here. This is a white ball scenario, essentially. There's only one outcome that matters. I stay at the crease till the end and we don't lose. I stay at the crease till the end in that Pakistan game and we win. I mean, it it it, it, it clarifies his, his, his mindset and gives him an opportunity to, to play a natural game, albeit a, a very against type natural game it's you know counterintuitive but actually i i argue it's exactly the same sort of pacing sort of innings he would do in 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 you know that one one wicket victory at old trafford in against australia in in uh, 2018 for instance i mean that that was a similar sort of scenario don't get out and 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 we'll be all right um it's i don't think it's sustainable frankly um i i you know i Nasher mentioned Alex Carey's um, moment of weakness. I mean, the only foot he's put wrong in two tests was failing to step across and, and take that edge. I mean, if he had taken that edge and Joss Butler had got out for a duck, got out for a pair in this test, having dropped those clangers earlier on and basically looked utterly bereft at times in the field. You know, we, we, we were talking about this the other day. What... How would this rank among England Test cricket performances? I know it's sliding doors moment because it didn't happen, but it bloody nearly did. I would argue it's the worst Test performance since Gavin Hamilton at at, uh, at Joburg in 1999, or maybe Mark Ramprakash also at Joburg. You remember that that ghastly Test he got Norton four and basically was bowled neck and crop by Alan Donald and uh, the same Test that that, that Athers got his one eight five. You know, we're talking about this sort this sort of level of ineptitude, and it's. It's not pretty. I don't want. I. Um, it, it's not fun to 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 bag on on Joss Butler, who is quite clearly an England legend, albeit in white ball cricket. But his standards in this series have not been good enough. And if he, you know, he was basically recalled in 2018, I would argue almost with this very tour in mind. Like, you know what? What we need in Australia to go out and win in Australia, we need big characters, big personalities, big guys who they fear. And frankly, Joss Butler's done plenty to Australia down the years in white ball cricket for them to fear. He was doing it only last week in 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 Abu Dhabi in in in, in Dubai, wasn't it? The, the, his his seventy from thirty balls or whatever it was in the in the T Twenty, he absolutely eviscerated them. But he can't do that in test in test cricket, and it's it's symptomatic of the of the wider problems that England have got here. If if their big players cannot front up 
in the big matches, you're expecting, well, Joe Root to keep fronting up because he's the one guy who does. You're expecting Ben Stokes to front up because he has done it in the past, albeit he's massively out of form or, or out of match practice, more to the point. Um, and then beyond that, what are you expecting? Darwin Milan to be the hero? Well, that'd be nice, but you know, you're expecting Ollie Pope to come to the party? Probably probably about time, but uh, not happening. Rory Burns, Hattie Bermead. I mean, are these guys really going to be the heroes that England need? It's 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 not looking not looking rosy. And um, you know, I pin it I pin it on the big names, I'm I'm afraid. Well, we will get into all that. Um uh, another uh, uh, take home uh, from, from that Butler innings epic as it was is that his uh, batting average still went down at the end of it. Um, we will uh, we'll hear from our uh, our two experts in a moment. Obviously, with due respect to to you guys. Um, <laughs> in the end, uh, uh, but Nasha, uh, the uh, the pink ball turned out to be a red herring. Um, Australia have won nine from nine. Uh, could make it 10 from 10 before the end of the series. Th- th- there was really no assistance uh, f- for England in the end, albeit that uh, the toss was perhaps significant. There wasn't, and I'd argue there wasn't a huge assistance for either side, really. I d- it didn't do a lavish amount in those night sessions. It just Australia had the template for the test match from the moment Australia, you could almost sense it from the moment Australia were 45 for one at lunch on that first day, less than two and over, but they'd only lost Marcus Harris. David Warner was getting set. Marnus Lavashane was doing what he'd do and leaving the ball and screaming no run. And he, 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 he was in the zone. And you could just sense that everything was gearing towards that declaration around the second session. I'm calling it the second session break because I don't really know what we call it. No one really <laughs> has yet to work out what the sessions are called in day-night cricket. But that declaration, just as the lights come on, on the second day, which is exactly what they got. I mean, it hadn't been for the thunderstorm with the crack of lightning, just as Michael Nisa delivered that ball to, to David Milan with England two down. They could have been four down that night quite easily with another 10 overs. Um, and then again, the scenario um, played out similarly on the fourth night. They had that declaration. And then, of course, the huge moment of Mitchell Stark uh, whacking Joe Root in the nads for the second time in the day. The first one obviously courtesy of England support staff. And then, and then finding the outside edge, as he has done, so often and as sort of that end of day moment where opposition can so often uh, claim a crucial wicket. And, and, and the fact England took it as deep as they did in the final, they showed the importance of that Joe Root wicket. So everything, every moment of that game um, really worked out to the perfect pink ball game plan, um, which is what Australia have got down to Pat so, so well, um, even without Pat in the side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the template. If you... That, I mean, all this talk about the pink ball and, and all that, and England famously bowled four years ago in the Test match in Adelaide, and all of Joe Root's um, rather poor calls um, in Australia. This is the format for winning pink ball cricket. You bat for five sessions, and then you can then control the timings of everything that follows in that game. Um, and that's what Australia have done, and it, and it helps. They have a very good bowling attack, of course, and Nathan Lyon is terrific with the pink ball as is Mitchell Stark, but they um, they just set themselves up on that first day so well for that game. Let's hear from a couple of men with genuine Ashes pedigree, courtesy of Bet365, Ian Bell and Ryan Harris. Good to have you on the pod again, gents. I'll start with you, Ian. You said last week that England should play a spinner in Adelaide, that you might not pick both Broad and Anderson, that the batters needed to put a score on the board and a bit of luck wouldn't go amiss at the toss. Did your worst fears come to pass? 
Just a little bit, yeah. It didn't quite work out, did it? But again, it's you know, it's tough, isn't it? And I know that you know, I've listened to Rudy, and he's it's been a really tough time for him because he's playing so well individually. But yeah, we, we've got them wrong both times, and I think sometimes rather than say it's easy in hindsight, we've just got to accept that we've probably got a few things wrong on this tour so far. And um, you know, we all make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes, but we have got these selections. We've got the toss wrong at Brisbane, and not playing a spinner again. I think Rudy would know deep down himself. Um, you know, he's a top bloke. If he's bowling 20 odd overs on day one, you know that you're probably missing a spinner. Um, and, and that that's, um, you know, that's tough. But again, I, I, I'm a big believer again. I think, you know, the bowlers, it's not, I don't think the bowling's necessarily the issue. Yes, we don't have a world-class spinner like with Lyon, um, but we're not scoring enough runs, you know, and I think there's a lot of talk in the media and everyone's talking about no wood playing and, you know, Broad Anderson and the bowling. You're just not going to compete if you don't score 450, 400. Um, and at the moment, without Milan and, and Root, um, you know, doing what they're doing, we don't look like we're anywhere close to that at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, on that front, um, Milan's made a couple of 80s. I think he said himself that, you know, he feels he probably needed to go on there. Root will be saying the same sort of thing. Um, are, are changes the way forward, do you think, for the batting order in Melbourne? Uh, potentially see, you know, Bester coming in for Pope at the end. I think uh, it's probably good to take him out the firing line at the moment. Uh, it's been a tough tour for him. I still think ability-wise, he's a test match player there. Um, and he's been exposed to this. And, and you, and having been a young player in an Ashes series before where it's tough, you, you have to take it on the chin. You have to learn. You have to work, go back, come back a better player. And I'm sure he's got pe good people around him in Alex Stewart and other people at Surrey as well that will help him do that. Uh, but I think that's probably the right decision right now. I, I don't see necessarily a change of the opening spot just yet. Uh, I'd probably see one more game and see how this goes. And then I think Crawley's not a million miles away. But, uh, you know, again, Crawley, again, another fantastic young player. And probably out of all the players, you know, waiting on the side has a game that you think should suit Australia. Um, hasn't had any game time either. So it's going to be tough for him walking straight into the heat of a battle with Cummins and, and you know, the big three steaming in at him, uh, asking some big questions. and. And we know last summer was a really tough summer for him as well with his technique against New Zealand. He was a little bit exposed around that off stump, fourth stump line, which, again, you don't want to have an issue around fourth stump, uh, top of off when you've got Cummins, Hazelwood and Stark coming in. So, um, yeah, it, it's some, I do see some changes, but I only see the one probably for this test match. Um, and then down the line, I think the younger guys, like I said, Burns for me, there's a lot to like and he's a fighter, he's mentally tough, um, but he's... 30 so it has to do it now he's not necessarily the the future like an ollie pope so you feel like he's there now to deliver and if you don't deliver in your 30s you've got to start looking around who's going to be the next opening who's this partnership that's going to take england forward um, on on batting in Australia, I mean, you know what it's like to be hounded by uh, by bowlers that, uh, in those conditions. Um, you got you got a hundred down there in in 2010-11. Joe Root has had this amazing year, but it's now eight half centuries in Australia without converting. Um, how how challenging is it for him uh, to try and get that that off his that stat off his back from here? Yeah, I mean, it, I suppose it gets highlighted more because the other batters, I suppose, aren't scoring runs. Uh, that's the tough thing. He is playing really well. He has been playing at a diff totally different level to anyone else in the last 18 months. So I wouldn't want to pick him apart at all. I think he's been sensational. Um, you know, and he's got a lot on his plate at the moment. Yeah, I mean, he sets a high standard. He'd want to, and as you've said with Milan, you know, again, the key to, 
to to try to put Leicester under pressure is not just scoring a hundred, but it's a it's a big hundred, it's a double hundred. You know, finding a way to, you know, as we've talked about before, getting Australian bowlers into to long spells um, and batting long periods. One that's good because you're scoring runs and putting pressure, but you're also making your own bowlers rest, recover to come back out and try and get twenty wickets. So there's a lot of things that go in the mix for scoring big runs. Um, but look, look, he's been good. But you just feel that that pressure, certainly with that Milan root partnership and they, they've played really well and they've sometimes bad long periods of time but Australia are just holding there aren't they they know that they're one wicket away from a little bang bang and two or three wickets come very quickly um, which again is the hardest thing is trying to put pressure back on Australia but you feel that that partnership even though they've played really well it's still under those that pressure moment and one wicket changes the game and the whole dynamics very quickly um, but I think like I said Milan and Root are the ones at the moment that you know, can sit here and say, I think they've played very well. I'm, I'm sure they both would have liked 200s at least the way they've played. Um, you know, but again, I wouldn't have a, a criticism too much of Rooty at the moment. Like I said, he's, he's been carrying this team, certainly the batting unit for a long time now. Um, Ryan, pro probably some easier questions for you. Uh, you <laughs> you've, been, uh, you've been very complimentary about England uh, so far, but um, things are looking pretty good for Australia to test into the series now. Oh, yeah, obviously, I mean, from the Australian point of view, I'm, I'm pumped. Uh, obviously, that's what you want to be. You go into a series like this uh, against England and Ashes series, you, you want to be, after two two test matches, 2-0 up. There's no doubt about that. And, um, you know, you, 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 you're thinking straight away, you, you want to end this, the series that, or the, the urn, you want to get that back in Melbourne. That's what they'd be thinking now. Um, but just, uh, yeah, look, I, I think it, we, we've had some luck. We, we've, we've played some really good cricket, don't get me wrong. I think... Um, you know, like Belly talks about there, you've, we've got runs, we've got big runs, and we've got bowls who have just been able to build pressure and build pressure. And, you know, Belly touched on there, like, you know, with Rudy and Root and, and Milan being able to, you know, get those, you know, get those partnerships, but they're always under pressure. And, and, they, and they're nicking balls they probably wouldn't nick, you know, when they're on 80. They're just, the balls are, there's so many, you know, good length, good line balls that they're, they're copying. So they're under pressure every time they bat, and as you should be at that level, but, that's how relentless, relentless we've been. Um, and, and you can see the confidence. And it's one of those things in, in these series. I mean, the couple that I've been a part of, you know, both here and over and over in England, you, you know, once you get that little bit of momentum, momentum's huge and it just builds. And you can sort of, you can sense it from the other team, you know, that, 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 that you know, things, whether they're not going right, I think if England go and make big changes now, that's a sense of panic, but I don't think they need to do that. So I think from, a, from an opposition point of view, if we're sitting back and they're making three or four changes, we're we're happy, we're we're pumped with that. So I don't think England need to do that. I think it'll show a little bit of panic. Um, they don't need to. They theoretically, they, they they're still in this series. It hasn't gone right for them so far. They've created enough chance. The thing about this as well, we sit here and say, you know, that the, the runs is the issue. We know that. But the bowls have created a lot of chances. They've dropped a lot of chances, which you can't do. You can't take 24, 25 wickets a game. You've got to take 20. So. It's not all doom and gloom, and you say I am being a bit, you know, it's not, I'm not feeling sorry for you, Billy, don't worry, but it's, um, it's that's the series, that's how big the series are, and I know that because when we've been over in England, that's what happens as well. And those big moments, um, you've got to take them because that can be the test match right there and there, it can be the bloke getting him out on 80 or, or 50 and, and not letting him make 100, 150. And as, as, as Billy said, those big 150, 200 um, innings, they're the ones that get your big runs in, in an innings, and that's what wins your test matches. Um, you, you mentioned sort of creating chances there, and after the uh, after the test, 
Joe Root said that England's seamers had got it wrong. They should have pitched it up more on the first day. They sort of uh, seemed to opt for a, more of a containment approach. Um, Ricky Ponting has, I think, subsequently said, "Well, if if they're not pitching up, then that's that's Joe Root's uh, job to, to to sort that out." What from your you know from your experience as a as a bowler, uh, what are those conversations like with the captain? Yeah, I did see those comments, and interesting from Ricky because he's not really doesn't really come out and say things about players or Australian players, let alone opposition captains as well. So he was quite firm on that. Look, I'll, how do you answer that? I think ultimately you've got to know as a bowler. You know, we, we saw in that first day that the day was really slow. England did, they bowled pretty well. But I think the, the thing about it is that Marnus and who batted with him, I can't remember, was in the big partnership with him, but they were so patient and Warner, I think it was, so patient to let the ball go, you know, whereas we're, I don't feel as though at the moment England, the England batters are doing that. They're, they're, they're the ones nicking them. You know, they're playing at balls, uh, a bit like Marcus Harris. He's playing at balls that, that are going well over the stumps. He doesn't need to play. Whereas Manus and, and, and Smith and, and even Warner let them go. So, um, again, I think I thought maybe a little short um, in, in that first innings. Um, and I think Joe said when, when they pitched it up in that second innings, things started to happen. So they got their lengths right. So, um, but, but I think on that, you, you, you've got your game plans. You know what your game plans are. As a bowler, it's up to you to execute. You now, like, well, I think Ricky said, if the bowlers aren't executing, it's up to the captain to get them off. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I've never been a captain. But if I'm not doing my job, then I probably won't be bowling. But it's got to, it's got to, be, it's got to fall back on... Oh, look, the captain's got a big say, but in my mind, it's got to fall back on the actual bowler who, who's got to execute the skill. And to be honest, the bowlers that are playing are pretty good bowlers, right? I know. So, um, yeah, look, I, I, I don't know what to read about that with Ricky. He was obviously a bit frustrated with that. Um, as I said, it doesn't really, he doesn't really say too much about opposition players or even captains. But um, ultimately, I think it's got to fall back on, yes, the captain, he's, he takes, he takes the, the blame for it. Um, but the bowlers have got to go out and execute what they're, I mean, the amount of information that's available these days, there's no excuse from a bowling point of view not to go out and execute your, your skill. Simple as that. The captain can't do it for you. You've got to do it yourself. There you go. Uh, good advice. Um, looking looking uh, ahead then to, to the Boxing Day test, big occasion. Um, Ian, we sort of uh, touched on possible changes uh, to, the, to the batting side of things for England. Uh, there will obviously be talk about rotation with the, the quicks. Mark Wood might come back into the equation. Um, the spin as well with Jack Leach. Um, but, I mean, what, what's your... What are your thoughts on on the uh, the, the way the series is going? The, the next three tests are, are we in another struggle against five nil here? Um, it feels that way at the moment. I, I think you're right. I think we certainly looked a much better balanced attack when Wood was in there. With having that extra pace makes us look completely uh, different. Certainly when that uh, it goes through there, where the ball gets a bit older and it goes a little bit flatter, and I think that will happen quite quickly at Melbourne, you know, it's going to be a pretty good pitch. It's going to be a great atmosphere. So we're going to need a point of difference. Uh, we don't need Stokes running in, trying to do all of that. Because he, again, he's dangerous. If he gets the ball up there, challenging the stumps, he's a dangerous bowler rather than just banging it in. So yeah, I can see that one happening. We have to play a spinner. I, I think we, you know, it's going to, I think it'll be a pretty, like I said, a pretty flat wicket. So you need somebody who's going to help and bowl a lot of overs, let the bowlers rotate. So you know, that, that's going to be important. Um, but you're right. I mean, again, I look back on the experiences I've had, the good and the bad. And, and when you get here now, um, you know, you're going to be, I think the important thing for England, they're going to have to start well. So if they win the toss, they're going to have to bat. They're going to have to win day one. Uh, as I said, I still believe Australia are the best team in the world. When they get on top, they don't hit you back. 
Um, you know, and I look, I know it's always funny when I listen to people going, oh, you know, ex players who won't have lost 4 1 over here, or and they talk about the 5 0. Actually, I don't care whether you lose 4 1 or 5 0, it's still going absolutely smashed, isn't it? So, um, you know, for me, they've got to try somehow to stop this momentum, and that's really hard to do. I've been there, I know what it feels like. Um, but that's individually now. I think looking back, you've got to start looking at yourself first before other people. Uh, and if the individuals can take a step forward and, and, and just improve their performance, then the whole team will go. But it's going to take a mammoth effort to switch this momentum. Um, you know, like I said, they're going to have a fresh Cummins running in, um, a, a really, you know, excited crowd again. You know, there's, there's crowds back in cricket as well, which hasn't happened for a while, especially out here and, and Boxing Day as well. So you expect the atmosphere. I think the first day is going to be absolutely incredible. Um, you know, in Australia, right on the front foot here, which, like I said, it's hard to... To, to stop that. I think they're, you know, they are said they're the best team in the world. They're absolutely ruthless when they're on top and it's going to be very hard for England to shift that. Yeah, since having crowds in uh, might not be a good thing for England. Um, <laughs> Ryan, uh, just uh, just on Australia um, uh, for, for this test, obviously Pat Cummins comes back in after his unexpected absence um, in Adelaide. Uh, just a word on on the seamers and, um, I mean, Jai Richardson in particular, uh, how you thought he performed at Maiden Five Wicket Hall there. Uh, is he staking a yeah. claim to keep his, keep his spot or, or is it, you know, back to the big three straight away? Oh, to be honest, I, I thought Jai did a great job um, and, and he did exactly what the, the reports were and what I'd seen him in this summer. Um, he'd been bowling fast, he'd been swinging it, and he'd been taking lots of wickets in, wickets in the Sheffield Shield. So there's no surprise. I've seen what he can do and at his best, he's, he's definitely a test, test match bowler. Um, in saying that, I don't think Hazelwood's going to come up, but I'm not sure if he does. If he is fit and Cummins is fit, then I think you go straight back to those three, uh, those two. I guess the question will be is um, Mitchell Stark, but and whether or not he's he's going okay. Mitchell Stark missed a Test match a couple of years ago. It was a Boxing Day Test. I can't remember, and it was a it was the biggest regret Australia had. Um, so I, I don't think they'll leave him out. I, I think depending on how he feels, um, I, I think they'll keep him in. So well, if they're all fit, I'd definitely go back to the big three. If not, then I'd probably. The interesting thing today I just saw before is is they've they've added Scott Boland, who's a guy who um, who you'd know quite well, Belly. Obviously, he's down in, in Hobart for the big for the big bash. He's been around Sheffield Shield cricket for a long time, and he he can bowl that stump to stump sort of line. I wouldn't say he's 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 his pace is is probably mid 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 one thirties, I'd say, um, but he can he can he can tie up an end. I think he could sort of do a Hazelwood sort of role. So that's that's interesting. They've done that. Um, I would have thought if, if Hazel didn't come up, I thought Joe Richardson would just go ahead and play again. But maybe they're worried about that 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 holder, uh, which 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 Hazel does really well. Um, Nessa's not bad at it, but but Boland's probably got a little bit of pace on Nessa. He's a bit taller, so he he, he might be one that slots in there as well for that for that um, for that for the Boxing Day Test, which would be amazing for for Scotty being a being a fantastic bloke. Is a Victorian, so there's nothing better than a Victorian playing a, a Boxing Day Test in your in what will be his debut test. So that yeah, so I, I, I hope that the big three are ready, um, but they're not going to take take any chances of Hazelwood. If he's not 100, then they won't play him, um, and, and that'll be the big question. I haven't got that answer because I think Joe would be very unlikely to miss out, but I I do believe that they like having um, that 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 bowler who can hold from one end. I think Bowling could probably do that the best. Good problems to have. Um, thank you both. Great to hear your thoughts. Um, have a Merry Christmas down there. Hope it snows. Um, look forward to... <laughs>
Nip it's not going to snow. I think it's about, about 35 degrees. Boxing day, I think, in Melbourne. I think it's going to say... It's more chance in Hobart happening than probably where you are. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. We look forward to catching up again after the MCG. They say you can experience four seasons in one day in Melbourne and England probably wouldn't mind the sight of snow. Then again, rain at the Gabba and an electrical storm in Adelaide couldn't save them. Runs on the board would be a better strategy, though the forecast isn't hot for that either. They had another strong partnership between Root and Malan in Adelaide Miller, uh, but failure to capitalise on day three conditions, having enjoyed a wicketless afternoon session, basically handed Australia the game. It really did. And, you know, it, it's such a... Uh, it, I, I, it comes down to this, this problem that England have got with no support for these guys. It's like all through those innings, both at Brisbane and in the second test, you, you got the sense. I mean, there, briefly there was, there was hope and there was a almost, almost, almost expectation at one point to, at Brisbane in particular. But I suspect deep down within the, within the mindsets of both of those players, they knew full well one mistake and were curtains. It's not the same as England managing to put together partnerships back in the day when they felt like they had people they could palm onto, you know, it's a, uh, it's like Joe Root's the only guy running the relay at the moment. You know, even back in that 2006-7 whitewash, you know, you still had a pretty fine batting team. You had people like Kevin Peterson in the middle order. Paul Collingwood comes in and, you know, he's, he, he makes a double century at Adelaide. You know, these guys are able to find guys to, to riff off. You know, you had Strauss and Cook at the top of the order. It's it's not the same now. And therefore, you you, you can you can build as much as you like. But the moment one of these guys even falters for a second... The others are, are curtains. I mean, it was fascinating, actually, watching Milan in particular. Um, throughout that partnership with Root, he had moments when he was flirting outside off stop, which he does, and particularly against against um, Nathan Lyon. He was he was playing his cut shot, his late cut, and nearly edging it. But he was also coming off from time to time with with, with pretty effective cuts through, through point for four. He was able to do this while he had Root at the other end because he knew that you know what positivity proactivity is important we've got to we've got to make runs while we while we've got a partnership going here but then as soon as root gets out milan's mindset complete, completely changed like, oh my god i cannot make a mistake here i cannot make a mistake and then he makes a mistake i mean i think he edged a couple through the slips and then he almost ran himself out and there was three overs in which he barely scored a run against line because he just didn't didn't trust himself to to be that guy to to take on the mantle uh because there's no one else to support it's um it's such a must be such a lonely job to to be an england batsman at the moment and you know for that reason the reason that joe root's record he's, he's in danger of becoming the uh, well, what he needs about 180 runs in 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 melbourne to 150 runs maybe to to become the leading run scorer in a calendar year over Mohammed yusuf's uh, record but he's also very likely to become the most defeated Batsman, most defeated captain in a calendar year as well. I mean, if England lose again, it'll be their ninth defeat of the year, I think. Actually, maybe it's more than that. I've lost track. But it's uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Nine in the year would equal Bangladesh's uh, record. Um, I mean, yeah, Bangladesh. And, and... It's, it, it's absolutely <laughs> staggering. Joe Root is going to become an all-time legend of of calendar year batting, and England are going to emulate Bangladesh in two thousand three, which was actually the most miserable iteration of Bangladesh ever. And you know, trust me, I've watched a lot of Bangladesh, so. Uh, you know, there was a test in Bangladesh where basically two two um, Sri Lanka batsmen retired bored. They literally retired bored, and they still won by an innings. They were that bad, and that's the levels that, we, that England are in danger of dredging if they lose at Melbourne, which 
I think they probably will. Sadly, uh, I'm, sadly, I'm not sure Marnus is ever going to retire bored, to be honest. I think England <laughs> are going to have to get Marnus and Steve out. They're never going to get bored with batting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and taking catches would help there. Um, as, uh, as we've um, referred to Joss Butler's uh, test, um, yeah, dropping Marnus on 21 and 95 as it was doesn't help um the the uh, the, the hash of, of of uh of england's batting uh, miller you've kind of um referenced uh the the some of the averages of the uh, the top six so milan and, and root have got a pair of 50s each um pope is averaging 12 burns 12.75 hamid 14.5 stokes 16.25 um, the highest individual score, other than uh, Root Milan, is Chris Wokes forty-four um, <laughs> on that uh, on that final innings in Adelaide. Um, I mean, Nasha, you you know plenty about uh, England um, batting like turnips, but uh, <laughs> even by the standards of, of the you know the the eighties and the nineties, um, uh, racking up record defeats, uh, this is this has been pretty pretty bad stuff. Yes, and I think it's even taken some of those watching down here um, by surprise how bad England England have been. I mean, there's never any sympathy for that down here, and there's no, and there's certainly a fair amount of glee that England are, are rubbish. There's there's certainly not masses of people uh, wailing about how upset they are about the way this is going, but. Um, there is they want a like competitive a, series, surely. Well, <laughs> competitive series, as long as they keep winning by 300 runs every time, um, <laughs> it's fine. Um, but th there is um, there's almost a certain like um, mouths open type situation where it's, have things really got this bad in English Test cricket? Because basically, obviously, Australia retained the Ashes in England last time for the first time in what was it, 17 years or something like that. Um, but basically, every every two years at least, certainly since the Ashes cycle sort of changed in 2005, England have either won or been very, have won at home or been very competitive at least as they were in 2019. So every two years, the Australian audience has thought, "Oh heck, we might lose the Ashes again here because we're back in England and they're a, they're a pretty good team in England or a very good team sometimes." And then they come here with this team and they and there's this thought of like, "Is it only two years since we played you guys?" Sort of 2019 and. Ben Stokes and the 2-2 the and, and all that and kind of Joffre Archer steaming in at Lords and knocking Stephen Smith over and all those sorts of things. And there's just been, there's just been no, um, really, apart from the two partnerships between Milan and Ruth in both tests, there's been no fight. There's been no fight. And that is almost the biggest indictment you can still put on a, a team in a way. They could, opposition can be better. This is a good Australian team. No one expected England to win at the beginning of this series. Um, and there was already calls that it might be 5-0. Although when Stokes came back, and I remember we spoke about this, there was a, a feeling that the gap was narrowing, both because both teams' preparations had been rubbish and Stokes was back. There was also the Tim Payne drama came along, new Australian captain. But as soon as they got on the field, it was like, did any of that happen? It was like it's just yeah. been such a such a, a steamrolling effect. And the two times Australia have been under the modicum of pressure, so that stand with Ruta Milan on that, and then that fourth morning in in um, in Brisbane, where it then all went pear shaped. And after that first session on the third day in Adelaide, when they were 140 for two, and then after that middle session, they come out and Cameron Green plays a leading role in just 
strangling England. He gets Joe Root out for the second time in two innings. Nathan Lyon wheels away at the other end, three for 30, I think it was, off a 19-over spell. And then Mitchell Stark comes in and, and, and makes sure that Shane Warne can't say nasty things about him for another five years because he just bowled. I reckon that's up there with the best test matches Mitchell Stark has had because of the leadership role he had to play, the way he found ways to take wickets when that pink ball was going soft. Um, but they've not been put under sustained pressure by England. There have been some like that. There's, there's been some moments there where I'm not sure Australia can quite believe what's come their way. And, and that also in terms of the team selection that England have made. I mean, I, I do get the feeling there's almost a sense of disbelief with the two 11s England have gone with, um, it, particularly around the spin bowler. That they, they, they played one in Brisbane and then they didn't play one in Adelaide. I mean, the groundsman, Damien Hoff, before that test in Adelaide, um, it was a question put to him by me, actually, when he did the stand-up. I said, should England play a spinner in, in the test? And he said yes. And then it was latched onto by a few of the UK media going, oh, he's just trying to get in England's head. He's he's helping out the Aussies. He's playing game. Well, he was damn right, wasn't he? Because, I mean, Nathan Lyon averages 25 in day-night cricket. And it turned from day one. I mean, it was like, it's just, it was nonsense. And then I saw overnight Chris Silverwood's comments on radio going, he would have picked the same team. Now, I'm all for a coach defending their stance and whatever, but that's just head in the sand stuff for me. I mean, you can't, David Milan and Joe Root returning it on that fourth day as Australia were trying to get to a declaration. And, and you say you wouldn't have picked a specialist spinner. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we've debated the depth of English spin many a time, but yeah. The, maybe the problem diamond. is those two are the two best spinners on, on well, the on just, to, <laughs> just to join the Matt Roller bandwagon, where the hell is Matt Parkinson? <laughs> yes, oh, uh, well, back in Lancashire, I think. Well, he didn't um, even play the A game. When they when they played, no, when they played the Lions versus Australia A, he wasn't picked. Awesome. I mean, what, what Astonishing. is the point, what and is the point of Matt ne- Parkinson? So, and, and, and neither was Mason Crane. <laughs> so the two attacking leg spinners England had on, on this tour to start with, they picked Don Best, who continued to get wickets with long hops. I mean, he got wickets. I suppose that's some credit to him. But kind of like, I mean, you can't play Don Best in this series either. He's going to be cannon fodder to the Australian batters as well. So, um, yes, it's a lack of options. But to have not gone with a... To have got the bounce of the attack wrong, two consecutive tests, whatever the coaching staff say, is is a pretty awful couple of weeks of selection management. Yeah, and, and we saw... Um... At the end of that second test, that Alistair Cook uh, went pretty heavy on, on the uh, the planning or lack of it, um, which is yeah for for a man who's normally so um, diplomatic with his uh, opinions uh, was quite something. Miller on declining uh, standards with the bat. I mean, uh, you you wrote about this um, yesterday, uh, a pretty telling stat actually that. Um, Joe Root is is obviously far away England's best batter. His record in in Australia now is uh, seven hundred and forty five runs uh, at thirty nine point two one eight fifties no hundreds. Um, and and as you put it, he's you know arguably England's greatest batter of the twenty first century. Um, uh, compared to Ian Bell, uh, our uh, our colleague, um, who uh, who finished his career, his Ashes career, with a record of. Uh, 895 runs at 37.29, 950s and 100. And, and he was acknowledged as a fine contributor to an excellent England team, um, but uh, not quite up in, in, you know, in the same ranks ranks of the pantheon. Um, but England would kill for another bell or two in this side. 
They would. I mean, I, I, I've got an awful lot of time for Ian Bell's record in Australia, an awful lot more time than I think anyone's ever given it before. Because uh, on that first tour in 2006-07, bear in mind he came out of the back of the, the uh, 2005 Ashes kind of with a bit of a debt to the team because they carried him through his maiden big series and he obviously got that pair at the Oval when uh, everything was going wrong. So, you know, he had the front up and he did. He got four fifties in five tests in that whitewash, including... Um, everyone forgets about this. He scored the first 50 of the tour when England were bowled out for 157 at the Gabba. There was Belly getting 50, and I think he was seventh man out when all was lost. He was he was the one guy who fronted up. And he was exactly the same stage of his career then that Ollie Pope is now. He was like playing his 20, 20th test there or thereabouts. He'd been in the side for three years. He'd been lurking around. It was time for him to to show some techers. And obviously... You know, we all know that, that Ollie Pope and Ian Bell are basically peas in a pod. They they look identical technique-wise. But Ollie Pope has has basically regressed. Ian Bell managed to drag himself forward to become, by the end of his career, an absolute gun for England. Obviously, the 2013 Ashes was was uh, his zenith with his 300s. And actually, I will defend his record as well on, the, on that whitewash tour in 2013-14. I mean, again, he was a bit burnt out by the end of it, like they all were. But... At times, he was the only bloke on that tour who had the time and the technique to counter Mitchell Johnson. I think he got a 50, I think it was at Adelaide, wasn't it? When uh, when when Johnson got seven for probably the best flat deck bowling that anyone's seen in Yonks. He was just burning through England like a comet. And there was Belly, who had the time to try and try and put up some put up some walls. So, you know, he's fronted up. He's done he's done his time on on three tours, and obviously in the 2010 tour, he was he was underused, frankly, because the top three scored so many runs, and KP came in with a double hundred that Belly at five by this stage was barely called upon. Um, but you know, there we go. We got, got a guy whose record is basically maligned as not being good enough is actually the same as a guy whose record is currently being lauded as the best England have got. It's a pretty damning indictment that uh, you know Ian Bell was probably England's fifth best batsman on the 2010. Ashes triumph, and yet he's got the same record as our best batsman on on this trip. It's it, it's a dichotomy that doesn't stack up well and doesn't really give me any hope for any redemption here because I don't see Ollie Pope finding anything like the form he needs to find to to fight back here. He needs he needs a break, as Belly was saying on the pod. There, he, you know, he's 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 he, his technique against against Nathan Lyon was just woeful, a bit like it was against Ashwin in, in the winter. He's He's got a real blind spot against uh, offspin in particular at the moment. Um, but likewise, you know, you, you throw in Hassi Pamid, as you know, everyone was banging on about his, his, his low hands and how that was going to get him into trouble. Lo and behold, he got him into trouble in the second innings. That, that, you know, in the second test, he, he didn't do an awful lot wrong with the ball that popped on him, except his hands were low enough for it to take the splice and, and loop into the cordon. So, you know, he's got... I've been impressed with the techers he's shown. I thought he 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 exceeded my expectations in that first test at Brisbane, frankly. But uh, expectations are pretty damn low. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't augur well for for any sort of redemption here. Um, I, it's really basically all on Root finding that elusive hundred, Milan turning one of his starts into a hundred, and Stokes. It's always on Stokes. Stokes has got to be Stokes and be a, be a miracle worker as usual. There's no there's no other way to to mitigate this. Uh, well, just uh, on Stokes uh, before we finish picking through the uh, England rubble, um, Nasha, uh, Australia kind of um, referred to England's tactics with the ball 
Um, Stokes took three wickets in the first innings. Um, did okay, but but the sort of the modus operandi of banging in halfway down uh, is is not what you expect to, to succeed uh, too often in Adelaide. Um, Chris Wokes now has series figures of, of three for 228. Uh, Anderson and Broad sort of bowled uh, tidily enough. Uh, drop catch uh, might have helped Broad's figures um, and getting Steve Smith out for a a golden duck is always is always nice, but um, uh, well, that's, we're back to Joss Butler there. Um, but uh, I mean, England will probably make changes uh, in the attack again. You think rotation uh, will come into it, but there's too much that's going to going to scare Australia. No, and, and it's it's remarkable, isn't it? Really, just going back to the tactics that you could almost um, and the, we sort of joked about this between a, a few of us in Adelaide was. There was almost each day of that test, you could have copy and pasted something from four years ago into in, in, into what was written that day, whether it be, um, to be fair, I thought Broad's opening spell on the first day was very good. And he, with a bit more luck, could have had Warner as well in that spell. And I still thought, I still thought James Anderson bowled a little bit too short, though. It looked as though he was trying to, didn't want to get driven. Um, and I thought it was quite telling later in the game when we spoke to Jai Richardson after his um, his Pfeiffer on on the on the on what became on on the last day, and actually any Australian you spoke to during the game was picking up the point that they watched how short England was bowled and didn't want to repeat it. Now I know there are some stats flying around uh, which actually show that overall Australia's length was, if not the same, then even a tad shorter perhaps than England's. But what they managed to do is when they pitched it up, it, it had an impact, and there were periods of that game where they were clearly fuller than England and Jai Richardson in that first innings was one of them. Now he was expensive in that first innings, but he went away from that and he didn't, he didn't panic about that. He, they were obviously, they had 400 on the board, so it didn't matter, but Australia were always searching for wickets there. There was never any defensiveness in their mind. And even you felt, even on that first day, once they only had one wicket by lunch, you felt England were thinking defensively rather than attacking. And that's obviously, they went to that short ball plan and Stokes banging in, obviously, eventually gets Warner slapping a, a short ball to, to cover. And if Marnus, if that glove for Marnus had been held down the leg side by Butler, who knows? Maybe things have played out differently. But um, just some really, yeah, really weird, strange, strange plans uh, for England throughout. And so to answer your original question, yes, I'll have to shuffle the chairs around again uh, for Melbourne. Mark Wood will come back, won't he, sort of thing. He's had his rest. So he'll come back. I can't see how they can't play a spinner um, again, although <laughs> Melbourne of late has had a bit more, has a lot more life in the pitch now. Everyone's thinking back to four years mm. ago and that Alistair Cook double hundred that put us all to sleep. Um, God save Cookie, we'd love him now, but my goodness, that was a boring test match. Um, <laughs> and, but so since then, and the, the curator, Groundsman, um, spoke, uh, Matt Page spoke, spoke again today, um, about it and about the process he's gone through to get life back into the pitch. And actually, the last two test pitches here, New Zealand two years ago and India last year, have been very good. And there was a Shield, a Sheffield Shield pitch here just a few months ago. And players involved in that game said it was the best pitch they've played on at the MCG for as long as they can remember. So if England go in thinking it could be seen dominated again, maybe Jack Leach will be on the sidelines again. But you've got to have Mark Wood back. Um, if it was one of the two senior bowlers to leave out, I'd I'd actually play Jimmy Anderson and leave Stuart Broad out. If you look at his year, it's actually been an unflattering year for Stuart Broad throughout. Joe Root, I believe, now has more test wickets 
in the year um, than Stuart Broad. Um, he's also close to being on second most used spin bowler this year as well, which is another extraordinary, extraordinary stat. But yes, uh, Wood in and um, I'd, I'd go Wood and Leach in if I was sort of picking the team now. Uh, Broad and Wokes out and you've just got to live with a long tail. It's not the runs from the low order. Wokes is, Chris Wokes' is 40s are not the difference here. It's the fact the top order can't score 100. Yeah, well, we uh, look forward to seeing which England bowler takes the wicket off a no ball at the MCG. Um, <laughs> Australia's selection issues are, are of the more uh, pleasant variety uh, um, and naturally it doesn't get any easier for England, whoever uh, they decide to bring in. Um, and even and even the one um, issue they have, the one concern, uh, Marcus Harris at opener, um, it looks like they're sticking with him for now as well. Yeah, they'll give Harris at least another test match. Um it's a show of confidence, isn't it, when you name a test squad for the remaining three tests of a series before the second test is finished. Um, that doesn't mean there isn't another option. Usman Khawaja could open if Australia did get nervous about Harris's returns. But when you're winning tests by nine wickets and 275 runs, you can you can carry a player. Um, and George Bailey, the national selector, has been very strong in saying he wants to give players a sense of continuity. So I actually think Harris will get the series. So you'll certainly get this test match. And I think he'll get the series. And then, yes, it's, it's a case of which combination of quick bowlers they want to pick. So Pat Cummins will come back. Um, that, that, that's nailed on unless he sits next to someone else in a restaurant um, who tests positive in the next uh, few days. Um, and, then, and then it is interesting. Josh Hazelwood is back in the squad, but very unlikely to play, we think. Um, Harley says no great need to rush him back because they can win without him. Um, and, and then the interesting name they've brought in is Scott Boland, who could be seen as a bit of an MCG specialist. He plays his domestic cricket for Victoria. Um, here in Australia. Um, and there is just some talk today that he actually might be more of a viable option than just a backup. Um, although it would surprise me if he did force his way back, um, way past Eve Odden. So some thought that Mitchell Stark may have tweaked his back in Adelaide, but he was still bowling 145Ks at the end there. So it didn't look a major issue. So it'll just be a case of whether they want to back up with the same bowlers again. But Pat Cummins will come back. Probably Michael Misa will drop out and Mike Hunch would be the attack would then stay the same. Um, and Miller, just to uh, put the tin lid on the year for, for England, um, the news this uh, week, uh, yesterday, in fact, uh, of Joffre Archer's uh, continued woes with his elbow. Uh, so <laughs> there, is, there are no good tidings um, from an England perspective right now. There really aren't. And I, I feel desperately sorry for, for Joffre Archer. I mean, I believe his dog died as well. He's, he's just had a rubbish week on, on so many levels. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, this all comes back to the original point that we made umpteen times since his since his elbow injury kicked in, England's misuse of Joffre Archer has been an absolute abomination. It's been probably the most scandalous mistake that they've made out of all of them. I mean, we, we've spent this entire pod banging on about the batting, but the way in which they took Joffre Archer, this, this absolute gun of a fast bowler who, who had it all, and wrecked him, is, is an absolute travesty. And that comes down to Joe Root, I'm afraid. I mean, there's an awful lot of pressure on on Chris Silver at the moment. Who, you know, he his as you mentioned, his comments about so I'd have picked the same team were 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 daft. And you know, he's looking about as out of depth in in this role as, as Peter Moores did twice. Um, so I think his card is marked. But Joe Root's captaincy is one of the reasons why we're in this position. I'm afraid uh, the 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 asinine policy of bowling Joffre Archer for 44 overs on debut at uh, at Lords. You know that spell in which he bowls a ninety-six mile an hour bouncer to 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 scone Steve Smith 
coming 20 overs into his day's work and then he's still got yet more to come thereafter. And then Mount Monganui, you know, he bowls 42 overs on an on a absolute featherbed in an innings defeat. Um, it wasn't even part of the World Test Championship, that one. There was, there was, no, there was no mitigation for that. England, England just used him like, like some brand new toy and, have, and he's now thrown in, thrown in the bin, frankly, when it comes to Test cricket. Even if he comes back from this, I'd be astonished if, he, if he's willing to, to put himself through Test cricket, given that he's a, he, you know, he was the reigning MVP of the IPL. He's the most in-demand white ball bowler in the world. There's absolutely no reason for him to put himself through this anymore. But this was the plan initially. England were going to use Joffre Archer as the spearhead. They were going to use... Mark Wood as a spearhead. They were going to hopefully have Ollie Stone as an as another spearhead. They were going to be able to hit Australia with pace in every single one of these test matches and give themselves a chance. And they haven't given themselves a chance because they wrecked their spearhead before they even got here. And that's just really stupid. And you can you can't you can mitigate and you can complain and you can you can say that it's all the batting's fault. But essentially, the planning somewhere went absolutely haywire where it comes to Joffrey Archer, and there's, there's just no excuse for it. And so I wish him well, and I hope he gets back gets back and. Hope that elbow does recover, but if it does, I I also secretly hope he doesn't play Test cricket again because he doesn't deserve England don't deserve nice things for the way they 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 misused him there. I'm afraid. But who'd have thought we'd seen Ollie Robinson bowling off spin eh, in a Test match? That there you go. <laughs> That's the image we should end on. We 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 began with a, a lack of festive cheer and uh, there was plenty of humbug thereafter. Um, Let's stick a fork in it because this turkey is done. Will England turn up at the MCG with a sackload of runs or will it be another Boxing Day pummeling? It might not snow, but a whitewashed Christmas could still be on the cards. Thanks to Miller and Nasher and to you all for listening. You've made the nice list once again. The prize is another pod next week. In the meantime, stay tuned to ESPNQuickInfo.com. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.